You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 347 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday, May 1st, and I am joined, as often, by Scott Coleman, a man who's not felt well recently, but is now alive and kicking. I hope your voice is okay, Scott, because we need you on, on this podcast. I am I am here and off the IL, feeling much better. Thanks, Brad. Hope you're doing well. Hope everybody out there is doing well. Uh, it looked like earlier this week the Braves might finally be getting out of their own way a little bit. And then, of course, we know how the weekend games went. But nonetheless, a whole lot of things to chat about and always good to be on with you. Yeah, we'll dive in. As always, uh, Scott playing hurt. I am quite literally fresh off of an airplane, like walked in the door, turned the microphone on. So uh, forgive us for any uh, transgressions on this podcast, but we'll do what we can. As always, we like to deliver the content in a timely manner. And April is over. It is now officially May. And uh, I'm not sure we're in the part of the season yet where the standings matter. But certainly there is some frustration, as you sort of alluded to a second ago. We'll come back to that. Uh, We should, though, at least start with the... Uh, headline story of the week, and it's been a couple days now, but Ronald Acuna is back. He uh, did not play games with the Braves for 292 days. That's like, you know, nine plus months. Uh, it's been a long time. He's now back. He came back on Thursday morning after he was fantastic at Gwinnett. Um, it was obviously earlier than anticipated. They tried their best to downplay expectations for Acuna's return. They did a decent job with it for the most part, but uh, he definitely wanted to come back. I thought it was noteworthy even before they called him up that Wednesday night after his game in Gwinnett, he was uh, pretty clearly trying to say that he was ready to go. He told everybody that to the media a few times. And then uh, by 1 a.m. Thursday morning, the Braves were FaceTiming Ronald uh, and he was uh, being asked if he wanted to play right field. And I guess he started screaming and celebrating. So he was ready to go. He's not quite himself yet. As we've seen, he's actually got kind of off to a slow start. But uh, he returned on Thursday, took Friday off. And then uh, all indications are, at least from sticker today, he's going to play on Monday. So, uh, I mean, obviously, we kind of know the deal here with Ronald Acuna being back and uh, that being a huge uh, boon for the team. But uh, are you fired up about this? Uh, it's obviously oh, yeah. their uh, their best, their best uh, team definitely includes Ronald Acuna. Yeah, just so happy to have him back. And as as we have noted, and I think most folks, we even joke that he is like a cyborg, but he's going to take some time to adjust to big league pitching. And I think Jeff Francoeur on the broadcast today talked about that a little bit. And Ronald struck out a few times these first couple of games, but look, there, there's no replicating a big league atmosphere environment. Um, you can do all the the simulated games and pitching in front of 500 people in AAA that you want. Um, but it, it's just going to take a little time for him to get the rust off, but make no mistake about it. This team is so much better with Ronald out there. He's already made an impact. Even when he, he's the kind of player that even when he doesn't have a huge game, he still makes an impact on the game more times than not. 
Um, so to have him back is great. And as you said, it's a shame that Ronald isn't excited to be back as <laughs> evidence of a uh, 1 a.m. phone call where he was apparently playing some Call of Duty and yep. the phone rang. And, and now he's back in Atlanta. I'm sure he was after a week or so was more than feeling ready to be back in the majors. Yeah, and obviously he has not been great so far, but no one should be worried about this. He needs to get plate appearances. Like you said, he can't replicate it. And I do wonder if they're going to have him DH rather than sit now. Like, I don't, I don't know if that will help him or not, just for rhythm, rhythm's sake, to just see more plate appearances. I wonder if it's better off for him to be, to be DHing rather than taking full days off. We'll see how they handle it this week coming up. Uh, there are no days off this week. And by the way, there's also a doubleheader. I can't imagine he's going to play. Sorry, there is, there is a day off. I lied. There's a day off on Thursday, but there's four games before that. So I can't imagine him playing a doubleheader on Tuesday. He'll probably play one of those games, but uh, he'll be in there. We'll see how much he plays. But certainly uh, the lift is uh, it's, it sort of speaks for itself. And one of the things that uh, is big about it coming back, um, even if they were full strength, it'd be big that he came back. But we talked about this a little bit last week. Like they have had nothing from the outfield for most of the season, at least on, on defense. But uh, early this week, Eddie Rosario had some bad news. Uh, he has had to have a laser procedure on, on his retina in his eye after he had some blurred vision that I guess might explain how bad he was for the first few weeks of the season, at least in part. I don't want to blame the entire thing on that, but if you can't see, uh, baseball is not a sport where you're going to be able to play very well if you can't see. So, yeah, that's uh, scary stuff. Man. A hole is. in your retina. I had a scratched retina a while back, a couple of years, and it took like a good week and a half before I felt like I could see clearly, I can only imagine what it's like having an actual hole in your eyeball. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Uh, hard yeah. pass on yeah. that. Uh, he'll be out apparently eight to 12 weeks, kind of a wide timetable, but certainly going to be out for a while here, certainly into June, if nothing else. And uh, that is a loss. Um, of course, he was not playing well. And there is the discussion to be had about like whether he was the guy to bring back, but they brought him back. Um, it was uh, too early to panic on that, but you know, Obviously, Ronnie coming back helps to plug that hole, but still some real decisions to make in the outfield day to day. Uh, there was a great piece written by Stephen Tolbert, front of the podcast on battery power, about just how bad the outfield defense has been this year. We talked about it a lot, but certainly that's worth reading because you know they were having to play some combination of Eddie Rosario, Marcelo Zuna, and by the way, Orlando Arcia is a terrible outfielder. Not that I was like terribly surprised because he's, he's an infielder, infielder by trade, but uh, he's quite bad in the outfield it seems so uh between all three of those guys and then alex dickerson who they actually dfa'd and then brought back to AAA this week they had four guys all of whom were at least outfield options that were all playing terribly on defense and ronnie will help that but he's just only he's only one man uh, adam duvall can only do so much so uh that's that's part of this as well but you know in theory you're basically replacing eddie rosario with ronald acuna and that's obviously an upgrade but Taking a step back, the best version of the 2022 Braves almost certainly has both Ronald Acuna and Eddie Rosario, at least the full strength Eddie Rosario in the lineup. So that's a it's a big loss. Obviously, we're going to Travis Demerit later on in the podcast. He's actually had a really good couple of weeks for the Braves, but st still, uh, Eddie Rosario they, they have to get him right, and uh, hopefully, all of his downturn is, is explained by the lack of vision. Yeah, let's hope. And I, I think it it was just more and more obvious a couple of games before it came out. I think it was one of those at bats in LA and Eddie was, I mean, I, I'm not joking. I think his bat never got within a foot of the baseball. Like yeah. it, it was just clear that he was not seeing the ball. And I think that's um, maybe overused in the big leagues, how well you're seeing the ball. Uh, you know, when you're going well, the baseball looks like the size of a beach ball. Whenever you're not, it's the size of a pinball and you can't touch it. Um, it was clear that Eddie couldn't see anything. And, 
we knew going into the season that the outfield was really the one spot that we had some legitimate concern about both defensively and the depth. I mean, Adam Duvall has been really quite good defensively in center field. We know that he is not hitting anything right now. Um, but as we, as we've noted, he's a 33 year old center fielder. Uh, there's not a lot of those. Um, and you talk about losing Eddie. Now you're in a, a scenario of exactly that. You know that you can't play Acuna every single day, at least for a couple of weeks, maybe even a month or so. Um, Ozuna, I mean, he had just a putrid throw in left field today. I mean, <laughs> I'm not so joking, bad. Brad. Can't I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I so mean, bad. you and I, if we had a couple of weeks to, to warm up the arms, we might have been able to make a better throw from left field than what Marcel's doing out there. Um, he just, I mean, he had the shoulder surgery a couple off seasons ago and it's clear. He should be, so, I mean, it's, it's fine. The thing is, is we yeah. all knew, we knew this and we, we, we did. And Eric, did. we talked about this, but like the version of this team, that's the best is Marcel Ozuna DH. Like, I mean, take everything else aside. Like his bat is good. Uh, he's going to hit the baseball. We kind of banked on that, but like, he can't play the outfield. Man. Like, he can't throw. No, and, no. and you factor in like just how bad. I mean, Eddie, I don't know how much, I don't know how much of Rosario's stuff was I really, cause he had some bad jumps. Maybe that, maybe that was what it was, but they try to play that hole with Arcia who isn't good on defense either. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's been kind of a mess. Like it's not, it's kind of yeah. worth just emphasizing how bad it's been because it really yeah. has been defensively. Like that has been their biggest weakness by far. They've had some other weaknesses for sure, which we'll touch on, but uh, alpha defense has been like, uh, a roller coaster ride to be kind, which is yeah. Well, and they they have to find somebody to step up because, like, I I love Guillermo. I think you do too. But oh, yeah. Guillermo Heredia is great as like the team mascot, and I mean that with like the highest praise possible. Um, you you do not want Guillermo starting any kind of with frequency on a team that's trying to win. Yeah, I, um, I think it, I think it's fine if he starts against left-handers. Like, I think he's he's proven enough to be like acceptable at the plate against lefties, but there just aren't that many lefties in the world to where like, I think he should play against left-handers just because you, you just bat him ninth and hope he can do a little bit of something with how bad everybody, everything else has been. But he's been a terrible hitter against right-handed, right-handed pitching his entire career. Like that's not yeah. going to be a huge surprise to anybody, but uh, we like, we like, we like Guillermo and I will point out he <laughs> actually has been pretty solid against lefties in his career, but I agree with your point though. Like he shouldn't be someone you have to start regularly. And they're in a position now where like it would have been better in retrospect to have played Heredia every day this season so far, because even if he didn't hit at all, he would at least field and they have yeah. gotten so yeah. bad defense that actually would have been better. They, they couldn't have known that, but it really would have been <laughs> a month now that we're in. If you played every day, they'd be, they'd be in better shape. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not over exaggeration. It feels like literally every night there's some kind of defensive something in the outfield and some games it's ended up being uh, the difference. Some games it ultimately hasn't changed the outcome, but man, um, the outfield's in a little bit of rough shape right now. Again, Acuna, no concerns about his slowish start. He's going to be fine. Um, Marcel, as we said at this point, he needs to DH every day, almost regardless of who else is out there. I think you just, as we just kind of talked about, you just eat uh, the lesser bat in the lineup for the, for the glove and just put Marcel as the DH six times out of seven, I guess you have to squeeze in Ronald every now and then. So he isn't out there every single day in the field. Yeah. Um, but, it. and then, and then you just kind of have to close your eyes and hope that Adam Duvall figures it out. Um, and then uh, we, we, t- we kind of teased Travis Demerit a little bit, but you need a Travis Demerit or somebody else in the organization to step up because it, at least for the next two months, you have a, a pretty big hole out there with no Rosario. Yeah, I don't think that Travis Demerit is going to slug 700 
this season, but he has so far through like 30 plate appearances. And uh, let's just do this now. I, I think that because of, you know, they, they had to choose something to do um, when Ronnie came back and they chose to pull Dickerson, DFA him, and they've since brought him back and they decided to keep Demerit. And, you know, Demerit had an inside the park home run. He had a home run before that. He's slugging, like I said, 708 this year so far. And I think he's a guy that has some pedigree. Um, he is 27 now. It's been kind of a long and winding road. Um, in fact, uh, we're, we're old enough, Scott, and this podcast is old enough where we talked about him as a prospect quite a bit early in the podcast days on this show, getting back to Carlos, et cetera. But uh, he's come full circle. I, I don't know what he's going to be. My, my general um, viewpoint is like, I, I tend to not believe this, but he has played well to this point and he's a good athlete. He's at least a better defensive player than they've had so far in the outfield. Um, and like you said, they have to have something else. So giving him a little bit of run here does make some sense. And as long as he hits, it's fine. I just don't know if he's going to hit. I don't think anybody else knows either, but clearly we're all rooting for him. He's a, he's a local, local kid. He, I believe he's from Barrow County, which is like a, you know, an hour, hour outside of Atlanta. So lo- local ties, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's been a good story so far. I hope it continues. Yeah, I do too. And I think everyone knows at this point with Travis's career, um, he is who he is. He, he has a little bit of power. He has some real speed. I mean, like you just noted, he had the inside the parker. He was flying around the park on Friday night. Yeah, he can run um, for sure. He, he's made some nice defensive plays as well. And as we as we have talked about, and as Braves fans know very well, if you can catch the ball in the outfield right now, I think you have a legitimate claim to playing every single day. Um, he had a couple of nice catches during the homestand against the Cubs. Um, so yeah, if you had to ask me to pick someone between, uh, and this is just kind of hard to believe we're at this point this <laughs> early in the season, but it's like, do you want Travis Demerit, Guillermo Heredia? Orlando Arcia Oof. as your, your outfielder. Uh, I mean, the short answer is none of those are great options to be yeah. blunt, um, but it, it's Travis Demerit for me. And he may, ne- he may have already peaked offensively. He may not give a whole lot, um, but I do think there is some, some real upside with him. He's never going to be a superstar. Like, I, I don't think anyone's confusing that at this point, uh, but he is a guy who had some talent coming up. He can do some things on the ball field and, um, hopefully you get to a point where you can kind of hide him at eighth or ninth in the order. The issue is with half of the lineup, not hitting right now, it feels like you're trying to hide half of the lineup and that, <laughs> that's obviously not going to be conducive to winning ball, ball games. No, you're right. And, uh, yeah, as funny as that is, but those being the options, they kind of were the options this week at times. And, uh, I, I don't think this is really what he is, but I think he's probably a better hitter than Arcia and he's definitely a better outfitter than Arcia. And then Heredia is the guy that you know about, like, he, you know, you know, his glove is good, but you don't know if he's going to hit it all. Probably won't hit it all. So yeah, he's kind of the best mixture of potential at the plate and also defense. That's at least decent enough. So uh, yeah, I, I don't mind it. Right. As long as, it's, as long as it is working out for you and it helped them this week, but uh, we will see on Travis Demerit. That's for sure. Um, I guess other than that, on the transitions, uh, sorry, Trey Jackson's side and sort of the news side before we get into some game stuff, uh, our pal Eric Cole broke the news originally this week that uh, the Braves were going to promote William Woods to to the big leagues for his debut. He since has been set down actually today, but uh, shouts to Eric for breaking the news there. Eric scoops Cole strikes again. Um, beyond that, the Braves had to trim the roster down before tomorrow, and I thought they might not do this until after we recorded, but they actually have now. Um, they had to go from 28 to 26 just to get in line with the uh, with the rules, and they decided to send down um, Muller and Woods. Uh, Muller, as we'll come back to later on, was not good today. 
Uh, and it almost certainly had to be one, uh, two of those guys. Maybe Jackson Stevens would have been an option as well, but he actually pitched quite well today. Um, I thought they might burn him because he pitched, uh, what, three innings today? But they seem to like Jackson Stevens, so that was the small decision there. It'll be uh, sort of a recalibration if you've been watching this team every day for the last four weeks to kind of, like, remember that they're back to 26 guys now. Like, it's been a little bit easier to manage the roster with 28, and now it's back to real life at 26. So uh, we'll see how that sort of unfolds beginning tomorrow in, uh, in New York. Well, and I think with, with Kyle Muller, as you noted, he was not sharp today. And no. like so many young guys, it's just a matter of throwing strikes for him. He has good stuff. Um, I, I don't want to say he's in like the Kyle Wright tier. I feel like now that Kyle Wright had his struggles with consistency early on, and now he has suddenly figured it out. There was I, a lot I, of that today, by the way, a lot of that on Twitter today, like, well, well, Kyle Wright figured it out. It's like, okay. That doesn't mean it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's going to work, work for everybody. Right. It, yeah. It's the old uh, going back. It's well, John Smoltz had a 5.5 ERA his first season in the majors. It's like, yeah. And, and there's about uh, you, you can't expect that every pitcher who comes up and struggles right away is going to turn into a Hall of Famer with you know 250 wins and 150 career saves. Um, with Mueller, though, I, I think he just needs more time. Uh, continue to throw every five days in Gwinnett. Um, we'll see what the Braves do with the fifth spot in the rotation, which has been really bad. We, we talk about that a little bit later, but um, I, I think Mueller needs time. And yeah, with with William Woods. Um, he's going to be in the mix, as we know. Through the bullpen has a lot of coming and going over a full season. Um, he's very much going to be involved on the forty-man roster. But um, as you said, Jackson Stevens pitched pretty well today. He ate three innings. If he goes out there and just can't throw strikes, um, I think that's something that that clubs really value, and they know that you kind of need someone to eat a couple innings. And he answered it today really nicely. Um, but it is, as you noted, going back to twenty-six, and I think it's thirteen pitchers is the maximum that you can have. Um, you won't be able to kind of carousel the, the rotation in the bullpen as much as they've done early on. Yeah, and the timing is interesting, too, because they had the doubleheader looming on Tuesday, so they have to kind of plan for that. And uh, Mueller did not give them any length today, which certainly hurts them in terms of planning purposes the next few days. We'll touch on all of that stuff as you sort of teased uh, professionally. Well, well done, Scott. Um, about the rotation from the good stuff being freed and right to the bad stuff being basically everything else so far this year. And then we'll get into some of the lineup uh, struggles and look ahead a little bit to this week coming up with the Mets, a big four-game series with the Mets. That's going to be a showdown series to, to begin the week. Before we get to all that, though, it worth more sponsors on the podcast today. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Scott, let us dive into some uh, sort of nuts and bolts baseball action from the last few days of action. You know, they finally won a series earlier this week, the first time and the only time still this year, the Braves actually won a series that they beat the Cubs two out of three. They won on Tuesday and they won on Thursday. And uh, it's sort of a good piece of synergy to sort of dive into the starting pitching conversation because on Tuesday, they won behind Max Fried. On Thursday, they won behind Cal Wright, who's been really, really good all year long. Probably his worst start, and he was still really good on Thursday. Uh, he has a 1.13 ERA for the season. That is, seems pretty good to me. And then, of course, the game they lost was when Charlie Morton was quite bad on Wednesday. So it's really uh, – it's not always that simple to sort of discuss this stuff, but those three guys, it's interesting uh, all the way through. I sort of made the joke today on Twitter about how bad the rotation has been, Sands, Wright, and, uh, Wright and Freed. And uh, I, I, I sort of compared Kyle Wright to Sandy Koufax uh, on, that, <laughs> on that tweet. But uh, even yeah. with Wright uh, and Freed being awesome, the Braves starting pitchers have a 4.91 ERA. That includes Wright's one point something and Freed being really good. That is number sorry, sixth worst in baseball. Uh, part of that is Morton. I want to start with the positive, though. Let's spend two seconds at least talking about how good Freed and Wright are because uh, everything else is pretty ugly after that. Yeah. No, you – you nailed it. And I think we've seen, you know, Max, his first two starts were not great. He had some just no. bad luck go against him like that, that start against the nationals. They, they scored a couple of runs in an inning where the ball didn't leave the infield. And it's like, okay, what are we doing here? Like, come on, give the guy a break. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing that for as much as the Braves are struggling, I don't think anyone had Kyle Wright as like, a top three starter in the league. Well, Other than you, of course, but yes, nobody uh, else. Naturally, it was my third year of predicting it. At some point it has to <laughs> go right. Right. Um, but uh, Braves are 10 and 13. I know it's only been four starts, but man, like Kyle Wright has kind of saved. Uh, it's hard to save a season. I don't want to go that far, but man, he has kind of saved the team early on because I don't think anyone had Charlie Morton struggling the way he has early on. Um, Ian Anderson, it's not always pretty. He's, he's had a couple of good starts and a couple of not so good starts. And then as we've talked the fifth and even sixth spot in the rotation has been a black hole. Um, but yeah, thank goodness for Max Fried and Kyle Wright, because they are two of the only few things that have gone right with this team through the first month. Yeah. Anderson, um, is kind of in that middle where like, he hasn't been bad enough to, uh, create alarm, but he also hasn't been good. His ERA right now is 4.66. Um, peripherals are kind of a mixture. He's got a lot of home runs and a lot of walks so far, but everything else is pretty good. His ground ball, his ground ball rate's pretty, pretty good. So we'll see on, uh, on Ian. I kind of feel the same as I've felt before on him. So we'll see, but, uh, I guess we have to talk about Charlie Morton a little bit. Um, just because, you know, the concern with Morton, of course, is that he's, is, is, he's old and he also has the injury that he came back from. Um, there was some safety there. He's kind of always been good. And, uh, the, I guess the one, I saw him. I saw that signing referred to as risky today, which I found to be kind of silly. Like it's not really 
risky to sign Charlie Morton to a one-year contract when he's been good his entire career, basically, since he found it as a veteran. But uh, the risk, if you want to say that, is that he was old and injured. And through four starts, he has a 70 RA. Um, his peripherals are not good at either. Um, he's got a lot of walks, not a lot of strikeouts. He's not missing bats. He had a pretty interesting quote that he gave, kind of not, not sure if he was surprised or what he's not been missing bats, but he sort of at least acknowledged it. And the hard hit rate is not super high for him, but everything else is not looking great on the peripheral side. All of the stat cast metrics, if you like that kind of stuff, do not look very good right now. I still um, tend to think that he will figure it out because he's just figured it out for such a long time. But that is a concern when you're talking about a guy who's older than I am. And that's the baseline that I use as, as to whether you're old at this point in time is if you're older than I am, he's older than I am. And uh, that's not great. So, I mean, I guess the uh, million dollar or $20 million question, Scott, is like, how worried are you about Charlie Morton? Like it's, it's too small of a sample size to actually like make, make decisions, but are you in full alarm mode now? Not yet. I, I think it's four starts. He's a veteran guy. Um, the stuff is still good. It's not like he's seeing a drastic drop off in velocity or something like that. And you start to wonder if he's hurt or a dead arm after a lot of innings last year. No, uh, those things to me seem fine. Um, I'm not hitting the panic button yet though. I mean, if he gets blown up again against the Mets this week, yeah, maybe you do. Maybe start a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you put him on the IL for a week just to kind of, uh, see if he can hit the reset button. Um, it, it, it's just so early. He's a veteran guy. He, I'm sure he has his spring training routine down being around for 15 years now. And obviously it was a shortened spring um, coming off the, the knee injury. Maybe he's just a little behind schedule, but at this point now we're, we're coming up on a, a month into the regular season. They had what, three and a half, four weeks of spring training. Yeah. Um, so no, I mean, am I am I worried? No, I say with confidence that if Charlie Morton doesn't get things figured out, uh, the Braves are in some trouble. Even with as good as Freed is, and as as surprisingly good as Wright has been, um, I yeah, man, I, I think it's one of those where you're not worried, and you just kind of have to close your eyes and hope that he gets it figured out because. Uh, he quite obviously was going to play a large role in this team's success, and if if he is not going to have a good year. Um, the, that that causes issues to be sure. Yeah, and the last time Charlie Morton was bad as a major league starter was 2010. Like he's had so he's had a couple of years where he wasn't quite as good, but the last time he was anything like this was 12 years ago. Uh, and he was young. He was a young guy then in Pittsburgh after he left Atlanta the first time. And like I, I don't. I don't want to make too much of it, but also we have to talk about it because he is, uh, what is he, 38? He'll be 39 soon. Yeah, he's 38 now. Um, it might just be the end of the road. That's that's the concern. And uh, certainly I don't blame anyone for worrying more than you and I are at this point in time. I do understand that viewpoint because if you look at the numbers again, they're not pretty across the board. Like you, you have a hard time finding a lot of encouragement in the numbers right now. So we will see. But uh, that is a concern because as much as Kyle Wright has been incredible this year, he's not going to be this good. I don't. I think that's probably safe to say. His ERA is, again, 1.1 something. That's not sustainable. So uh, they're going to need some help from somebody else, whether it's Anderson, whether it's Morton, hopefully both if you're a Braves fan. Um, but they need more from, from Morton because they don't have a lot of depth behind them, as we've seen throughout the season to this point. Uh, while we're on this topic, let's just talk about the Mueller elder uh, swap, all that stuff. Um, I, I mentioned the numbers overall. 
are pretty ugly, even when you include Wright and Freed. Uh, you gave me the stat earlier, so I'll credit it to you. Uh, they're one in six in games started by Bryce Elder, Kyle Muller, and, and Waskari Noah. Uh, and that's not a fluke. Those guys have, were actually bad. It's not like they just lost the games because the bullpen was bad. Those games, they were they were all bad. Um, there was this argument going on today. I don't know if you I don't know if you saw it. I was in the airport, so I was just looking at Twitter constantly. Um, but the Bryce Elder versus Kyle Muller debate kind of raged today. And uh, the key point that I at least saw made and I also made was like one of those guys has good stuff and it's not Bryce Elder. <laughs> My apologies to Bryce Elder, who's uh, who's very young still, but uh, he has not been able to, con- to command anything. And that's just not going to work for him with his current stuff, whereas Mueller uh, at least has big time stuff. But uh, you talked about it. So I'm going I'm to defer to you like they've done the six man rotation. I kind of get why they did it today. Um, there's the whole strider conversation to be had as well. Cause he's looked very, very good outside of one very bad blowup outing. He's been kind of dominant. He was awesome over the weekend. What do you want to see moving forward? Like they had the spot later on this week where it's like either going to have to be strider or they have to go back to one of these other guys. Do you want to see strider in that spot? It's uh it is Spencer strider time for me. I think, um, I love the way that they brought him out of the bullpen to begin the season. He was somebody who was on that roster bubble, and he has quite clearly shown that when he is especially throwing strikes, um, his stuff is just so good. And I think one of the, not frustrations, but the way that Spencer Strider is being used right now, most of the time when he's coming into games, the team is losing. Yeah, And I, I don't love that for him because he, as you noted, other than that one kind of blow up game where he just did not have any command, um, you know, he's been dominant. I mean, he strikes out what 50% of the batters that he's seen so far. It's not quite that good, but it's probably decently close. Um, I think it's time to let him start. He's just the way he throws. He's probably not a guy who's going to work six or seven innings. Although uh, Bryce Elder is not a guy who's going to work deep into games just with the stuff he has. He just doesn't have enough secondary and uh, secondary pitches to get big league hitters out, let alone once, but two or three times. Uh, maybe they give Waskari Noah another shot here uh, down the road. Um, I, I do think Kyle Muller needs more time in the minors. I just don't think he throws strikes enough to, to be successful. Um yeah, give me give me Spencer Strider on Friday night. I think that's against uh, the Brewers, maybe. Um, even if you know that he isn't going to be able to go deep into a game, I would rather hand him the ball with the score tied and, in theory, pitching when the Braves are, he- are ahead than giving him the ball and I don't want to call it mop-up duty, but having him pitch when it's 6-1 to one is just not an ideal way to use him and his talents. I know you need guys to cover multiple innings in the bullpen, but, man, um, the way he throws, and I don't know how you feel about this, but the way he throws, I would much rather give him the ball in the first inning uh, than in like the sixth or the seventh when the, the outcome is maybe already decided. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of been where I've been the whole time. Not that I, you know, was yelling and screaming for a strider start at the beginning of the season, but, you know, I, I'm, all, I'm always kind of of the mind of let, let guys start that can start. And if they think he can start, he should be starting. He's got the best arm by far. He has the highest upside by far of all these guys. And uh, he was already up at the big leagues. And I, I get that maybe they think because he can throw the way he throws, his stuff is playing up to where he's useful in the bullpen. But like you mentioned, he's really only being used in these weird, you know, long release situations. And that's not the worst thing, but you don't want to use him like, like Josh Tomlin. And that's kind of how he's been used so far this year for the most part. Um, and they're obviously very different pitchers, clearly. But uh, I would like to see them try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But uh, 
you know, Strider versus Elder Muller Enoa. I know where I want to be out of the, out of those four guys. And, you know, as they chopped out the rotation down to five guys, that, that's the one spot because of the way that Wright is throwing, he's obviously going to be there for a while, hopefully. Um, yeah. I would, I would I like it to be Strider. I think he's got the best combination of everything going between upside, even projection right now, et cetera, future facing. Yeah. It's time. I think, I think you're right. And I think, I mean, based on the move they did today, they could, they could still change stuff. I want to be uh, very careful to say that he's going to start Friday. We don't know that to be sure. Um, but at the moment, he's the only guy on the roster that's a logical starter for Friday. Now, they could obviously yeah. call somebody back up. But, uh, you know, if it's me, I just say tomorrow he's starting on Friday. If it's yeah. me, but we'll see. See what he can do and see how they do have the off day on Thursday, but see how the four games in New York go um, and how much he's needed. Um, hopefully they can avoid, he might make an appearance and just kind of make it a de facto bullpen appearance for the week for him. Um, we'll see how they use him. But, um, if you're looking for a a positive or a way to look at this, that's not as doom and gloom, the Braves are 10 and 13. And as we noted, they are one and six in games where Enoa, Muller or elder have started. So that means they're nine and seven in games where those guys aren't starting and quite obviously, teams, everybody has a fifth starter. Very few teams uh, are happy with the production their fifth starter gives them. I would probably count on one hand the number of good five starters across baseball. Um, but if, if you're looking for a positive or a, a way to kind of look at that, ro- that record through the first month, uh, nine and seven on days where those three don't start and one and six whenever they do, um, hopefully that, that changes. Whether it's Strider, maybe they give Tuki Toussaint a shot. Um, there's, there's some options. It's just a matter of someone needs to step up and claim that rotation because quite clearly the the path they're going on early on is just not working. That's well said. And we'll see what the plan is. Uh, and I will be interested interested to see how Snit handles this series coming up because the doubleheader and four games in three days, and obviously a a high profile matchup in New York with no update before it. So uh, we'll see how that all goes, but uh, I'd be lining up Strider as well. Um, quickly, we'll kind of fly for the weekend. Uh, some positives that I want to make sure we ha- uh, highlight here. The William Contreras explosion on Friday. He had two home runs. They were both uh, mashed. Um, that's good to see. Obviously, he's up right now as the second catcher. Um, Pena being injured, etc. cetera. Um, you know, we've kind of all liked his bat for a long time, but him playing is not a bad thing. And it's a reminder of the potential upside of Contreras' bat. It's obviously just one game, but that's been the thing that everybody loves about him for a long time. It's just his bat could be, I want to, I want to emphasize, could be very good one day. And uh, obviously we've seen signs of that. Yeah, I, every ball he hits, hits hard. Like his, his hard hit rating is really high. Um, his home run rate is really high as well. He clearly has, and he's a young player, like all young players. He has some learning to do at the major league level, but um, yeah, it's hard not to be impressed. It seems like every time he gets into a game, um, he uh, he makes an impact one way or the other. And I think there's uh, some real upside with him. I, I think we still like the Manny Pena signing just because he's a, yeah. a solid veteran. You're going to need no team makes it through a full season with only two catchers. And if you do, Thank your lucky stars because it's not going to happen again the following season, more than likely. Um, it's just uh, it, it's good opportunity for William to learn a little bit at the big league level, and um, he's going to be in the mix as we've talked about. Yeah, it's like he's he has like two hundred plate appearances now in the majors, and the numbers are not like ridiculously good. Like he's like he's been basically league average, but he, his ISO is like two hundred plus. 
like the power has played. Like he strikes out a lot still. He you definitely see that he's a little bit raw at times at the major league level. But when he connects, to your point, he makes great contact uh, and hits the ball uh, hard and a long way. So we'll see. But as far as uh, number three catchers are concerned, he's a luxury that the Braves do have. He's one of the one of the nice depth pieces on this roster because a lot of teams as we've said forever on this podcast, their their second catcher is bad enough. You go to their third catcher and it's just an absolute death march. And with the Braves, Contreras is probably a better hitter than a lot of teams starting catchers in baseball right now, if you factor all that in. Obviously, his defense is not quite that level necessarily, but uh, him being a third catcher is a pretty good spot to be in. So there's that. Um, if he continues to hit, just looking at this lineup, and I don't know how and, and how honest they were being when they talked about William being in the mix potentially as like a corner outfielder. But if he continues to hit, is it impossible to say that maybe he gets a chance to be an outfielder for this team for a little bit? Well, that's well, why it was so frustrating when he was up before and he, and he never played. It's like, well, why are you carrying him as a third catcher if he's not going to play when um, when you're trotting out RC at DH and you're trying out RC in the outfield. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on RC right now, but like as an example of just like how dire it was and to not play him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, if they felt that he could play an acceptable corner outfield, it wouldn't be a bad thing to try him. Now, obviously right now with Pena out, they probably want to be a little bit more careful with him. Oh, for sure. For um, sure. But when Pena comes back, certainly if it's still as dire as it's been in the corner outfield spots, then yeah, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, is he going to be better defensively than, than Ozuna? I don't really know the answer to that. Um, but that's a question to ask eventually if he's still hitting when Pena comes back. Um, who do you hate less <laughs> in a quarter spot between <laughs> Ozuna yeah. and Contreras? But uh, yeah, he's not. I mean, he's an option. If nothing else, I think you you trust his bat at least a decent amount. He's a better hitter than Arcia, I would imagine. He's probably a better hitter than Heredia in most situations. So like if you want to trot him out there and give it a chance. Um, him versus Demerit's interesting. If Demerit were to cool off, as he probably will at some point, we'll see. But yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world to think about because they've already been talking about it out loud. And if he's hitting, he's hitting. I, w- I do want him to play long term. Um, that was one of the things we, that we talked about when he went down to Gwinnett was that he does need to play. He's still a young guy. He needs to catch. He needs to play because they still believe he's a catcher long term. And that, that is worth noting. But uh, his bat is interesting. So we'll see. Yeah, And his long term value is obviously tied to catching. Right. Like mostly I, for sure. Yeah. I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm saying he needs to transition to the outfield or anything like <laughs> no, that. No, it but... only matters because of how bad it's been elsewhere. Like if, if they had yeah, their normal yeah. outfield, we're not having this conversation. I think I, I feel pretty good about that. If they yeah. have, if Eddie Rosario is Eddie Rosario um, so far, we don't talk about that probably, but he's, uh, he was bad and now he's hurt. So that's another option. And uh, it's kind of dire, but it's something to talk about. Um, one more positive thing, Scott, and that's Austin Riley. Uh, Riley has been the one guy throughout the year that is kind of raked. Obviously, Matt Olson started out great. He's cooled off, but Riley's been really good all season long. Um, he is slugging 571, six home runs. Um, his play discipline stuff has been good this year, like better than it's been in his career so far. Um, if nothing else, uh, any concern about him just falling off a cliff again after last year seems to be gone at this point. Not that we've projected that. Even, even I, a known Riley skeptic still said he was going to be good this year. I wasn't sure how good, how good he was going to be, but I wasn't too worried. Now I'm even less worried. He looks fantastic. So that, that's nice. And I don't know if you've heard this, Brad, but he's a new father. If, if the broadcast hasn't mentioned that like 9,000 <laughs> times this week. Um, anyway, no, uh, you're, uh, you're right. The dad power. Um, dad take, power. Take a shot every time. Um, no, Austin has been truly like him and, and Ozzy Albies have been the most consistent, I think, in the lineup looking. I mean, 
Matt Olson didn't make an out the first two weeks of the year, and then he doesn't have a hit the next week and a half. Yeah, so Matt, Matt Olson uh, is six of his last 44 with four yeah. walks. Uh, and just to say this out loud, I know you probably know this if you listen to this podcast, but if you don't, if you're a new listener, uh, I am not at all worried about Matt Olson. I want to say no. that one more time. No, no. Not at all worried about Matt Olson. Matt Olson is really good. Uh, he's been bad for the last week and a half. That's okay. It's going to happen sometimes. He's good. Yeah. He is. Marcelo Zuna got off to a nice start. He's He did not have a good week. Um, it's, it just goes to the fact that this team just can't seemingly get everybody pulling in the same direction. Um, even Dansby Swanson quietly had, maybe not even quietly, maybe loudly, He's had back. a pretty nice week. Yeah, you know, his WRC plus is up to 88, which is not horrible. Um, he's still striking out, though it's not quite as bad. Um, Travis Darno, when he's out there, granted he's not an every single day guy, but Darno is hitting pretty well. Um, but again, it just seems like you have only two or three guys hitting at any given point, and then just when somebody else starts to get going, one of those guys who was hitting the week before cools down and suddenly can't hit the ball. Um, it, it's been a shades of there was a lot of talk today about this just shades of last year's team where it would seem like they're getting good pitching, but they're not scoring. And then they were scoring, but then the pitching wouldn't follow through. And then they would be getting good pitching and good hitting, but the defense would be terrible and the bullpen wouldn't blow. And it's just kind of shades of last year. Um, And Hey man, they they won a world series at the end of it and it all worked out. But I, I just don't think you want to be that team that spends the first couple of months of the season saying it's early, it's early, it's early. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're 10 games out in the division standings and you're, you're having to scramble. Yeah, that's well said. Um, the offense has just kind of been average, which this team cannot afford. They need to be good on offense, like capital G good on offense to be what they want to be. Um, and that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean they have to be number one in the league in offense, but they can't be league. I think we can all agree if this is a league average offense, they're not going to be repeating as World Series champions. They need, they need to be good on offense. And they've been okay. They haven't been disastrous on offense. But um, whether it's not having Ronnie, Ronnie having a slow start, Rosario being bad, Dansby, weird start, strong recently, Olsen, all that stuff. Aside from, like you said, Riley and Albies um, and maybe a little bit of Darno and Ozuna, it's not been fantastic. And really, if you look at sort of uh, broadly speaking, go through the three um, sort of areas of the team, the offense has been below average to, to what they want to be this year. The rotation has been below average what they want to be this year. And the only thing that's been kind of, as, kind of as expected is the bullpen. Like it hasn't been like number one in baseball, but they're like top seven or eight in baseball in ERA. Like they've been good. I mean, it's not been incredible, like completely lights out, but all things considered, the bullpen's been not a problem at all. It's been pretty good and uh, everything else, not so much. So, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to kind of talk about this versus last season. And I, I don't want to go up to that crutch too often, but I think out of most people in the world, we probably pointed out uh, more than most how uninspiring last year's team was until August. We kind of, and you can't ignore that altogether. Like it didn't matter in the end. And we always say that as well. Uh, at the end of the day, they got hot at the right time. They won the World Series and you can't take, take, take that away. But they do have to, uh, kind of figure out what they are because through 23 games, they're 10 and 13. And uh, I think it was Steven that pulled this. I saw it. Um, ESPN's power index had the Braves with the easiest schedule in baseball so far. And to be 10 and 13 against that schedule is not what you want at this point in time. Uh, it's obviously quite early still, but this is like a, one more, one more funny stat for me before I give it back to you. Uh, you know, it feels, it feels like a lifetime ago, but they split the series with the Reds. 
at the beginning of the year is a four, four game series against, against the Reds. Um, since that moment, the Reds uh, who are two and two against the Braves are one and 17 against the rest of baseball. So <laughs> I don't know if that's just the Reds being uh, better. against the Braves than anything else, but uh, that was kind of a roller coaster ride. So good example of the, this schedule's not been great for the Braves so far and they've not, no. they've not capitalized. It's going to get harder. I think at the same time, I feel like they're going to get better because they certainly should be playing better than this. But uh, I guess before we look at the week, at the week, week ahead, do you, uh, not that we're going to do panic mirror in every podcast, but we're getting, now that we're into May, it's a good sort of round number time, like 23 games. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you feel differently? Because last week on the show with Eric, I basically said, look, I feel the same as I felt preseason. I kind of still do, but a little bit trending toward negativity. Um, where are you at with the yeah. uh, evaluation of the team so far? To be clear, this team is not playing well. No. Like you, you noted the the red series you know two and two against a team that <laughs> one and 17 is one and 17 mathematically that's tough to do in a game like baseball um the nationals are not very good they lost that series uh losing to the texas rangers who are not playing well uh, i mean the rangers pitching staff is a joke and the braves just could not score and, and that just speaks volumes to how badly this lineup is struggling um, we'll see. I mean, Brian Snitker is the king of just slow and steady and consistent. Um, maybe he changes some things up. I know there was some chat today about maybe he should move the lineup around a little bit, maybe move like Ozzy up to two or even like Travis Darno, who's hitting and getting on base, maybe moving him up to like second. Um, I, I don't know. At this point, you don't want to panic uh, to answer your original question and point. Uh, this time a week ago, my concern out of 10 was like a two. Now I'm at like a three. And I hope that this doesn't keep going in the next week. I'm at a four and then a five and then a six. I'm hoping that they start to figure it out. Maybe a, a high profile, high energy series with the Mets will do some good. Kind of give everybody a kick in the pants a little bit. Um, again, it's it's still early. They have 139 games to go. But as, as we've talked about, you again, you don't want to be the team at the all-star break and you look up at the standings and you're a dozen games back. And I'm not saying this is going to happen, um, but you can't just bank on the division being bad as the way that you make the postseason, which was quite literally, again, as a reminder, if the Braves were in any other division last year, they don't make the playoffs at all. They wouldn't have won any other division. They wouldn't have been a wild card team in either league. Um, so Again, hey, you get into the dance and see what happens, but you have to get to the dance and you don't want to wait too long to get things going. Uh, the, the 2019 team, if you're looking for a, a upside or, yeah, it's still early, the 2019 team started 18 and 20, which is not great, 18 and 20. They won 97 games. So is it too early to panic? Yes, there's so much baseball to be played. Uh, but let's hope over the next couple of weeks, as the level of intensity goes up a bit, uh, they start to figure some things out. They're not going to have this six-man rotation, which, as we noted, we understand why they went to this, but as they are one in six in those games, that's just not great. Um, hopefully they, they figure out a few things and get back to being the team we thought they were going to be. Yeah, and that's a good time to look ahead to this week coming up. Obviously, we've referenced a few times, but they have this four-game series in New York against the Mets. It starts on Monday. There's a Tuesday double de- double header, and then they play the getaway day game uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Um, on a positive note, the Braves will miss Max Scherzer, who pitched tonight um, for the Mets, so he cannot pitch in the series. That, that's a positive because the Braves, if they if they want to, can use all four of their best pitchers on normal rest. 
in this series. Uh, they have not announced that just yet, to my knowledge. In fact, I'm looking at the page right now. They have not said who's going to start on Tuesday, but they can go. Yeah, Freed, they, Morton, Wright, they confirmed. Anderson. Yeah, exactly. They confirmed those four going to start. Freed on Monday, Anderson on Wednesday. We'll see the order announced. on Tuesday is basically yeah, what it comes yeah. down to. But uh, they use their, their top four guys, and the Mets don't have their best guy. So that's uh, – and obviously DeGrom is hurt. So um, that's that's a slight advantage to the Braves, obviously. Um, the Mets are, are playing great, though. They're 15-7. and seven. Um, the danger, uh, and again, we're not going to panic too much in early May, but if you go lose three out of four to the Mets uh, and you're suddenly down seven games to the Mets in May, that does matter on some level. And now the Mets are the Mets. We've poked one of them forever, but um, they're playing quite well, and there's there's a lot of talent on the roster. So you can't take them too lightly, even as uh, even amid the jokes that we're always going to tell about the Mets. They are pretty talented, and they're playing well. So a big series, as big as it can be in early May, uh, which is still not that, not, that, not that big, I guess, overall, but um, an important one. And then the travel day, the, the Brewers back at home. And then uh, the schedule in May, as you sort of lay out here, I'll, I'll let you talk about it, is, is a lot more difficult on paper than April was. Again, it's it's still baseball. So um, I don't want to make too much of that. It's not like you're playing the NFL schedule and you kind of know what's going on. But uh, it is more difficult on paper in May than April because you're playing the Mets and you're playing the, uh, you know, a couple of teams that are in you know, the Red Sox are on the schedule, et cetera. So uh, we'll see, but uh, I'll keep you a close eye on this. Uh, you know, basketball season is now ramping down for me, which makes it a little bit easier for me to watch baseball every day. But um, the intensity level as someone who's not looking at the standings very much until Memorial day uh, it's May now May's, May's different than April, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll know that. I think a lot of folks realize that that Memorial day is exactly when, I think you can start to count on things that are for real and maybe aren't for real. And um, not that whatever happens on May 30th is going to be locked in for the rest of the season. But I, I think we're going to learn some things about this team over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ronald Acuna is going to get into a groove. I, I don't think Matt Olson is going to hit like 050 the rest of the way. Uh, no. th- they're going to figure it out. I, as we laid out, I'm not concerned yet about Charlie Morton. I'll take the over on him figuring out then not figuring things out. Um, but it, as you laid out, you have four games on the road against the Mets. Then you come back home. You see the Brewers, Red Sox, and Padres, who are all three good teams. Then you go on the road to play the Brewers again and the Marlins, who are an improved young team. A lot of good energy, a lot of good mojo around Miami right now. And then you have four more with the Phillies and the Marlins. So I'm not sure there's a single... Uh, break in the schedule with that group of teams. It's going to be a tough month. And uh, as, as we've said, hopefully this team, it's still early. Don't want to keep falling back on that. It is still early. Uh, let's hope they start to figure some things out and get out of their own way because so much of what they've done early on is just self-inflicted, just silly stuff, bad defense, um, just some bad luck as well. Like they're still hitting the ball really well and just don't have a ton of results to show for it. Let's hope things get going here soon. And, get back to being the team we thought they would be. Okay. So that is the going to be the end of our, uh, of our actual functional baseball discussion. I have to ask you one question though, at the end of this podcast, Scott, uh, something happened today on Sunday that I can't remember seeing, and I know it's probably happened and I just don't remember, but do you remember the last time you saw a pitching coach ejected from, from a base, from, from a game? Cause that happened, that happened on Sunday afternoon. Rick, Rick, Kranitz, Rick Kranitz was fired up. <laughs> he was I, very, I very animated today. Because the whole coaching, yeah, the whole coaching staff, other than the legend himself, Ron Washington, and happy late birthday to Wash, who just turned 70. Shouts to Wash. It is such like a calm and quiet coaching staff. Um, And Rick Kranitz went nuts. 
he, he was not happy. <laughs> he, he was really, and just to put some color on it, I was watching uh, this, I was watching today's game on the road. I was going to the airport, in the airport, all that stuff. And I've kind of just, I've watched most of it, but it was like not the greatest sound situation. So I wasn't listening to the whole broadcast. And I kind of looked over at my laptop and I was watching it. And I'm like, that's Rick. I, I saw somebody get ejected. And I was like, it's got to be Smith. Like, there's no way they're throwing Rick. Cran- nope, that was Rick Kranitz. And I and I, re- I rewound it, and I was like, oh, he earned it too. Like, he kind of went, he kind of went nuts. It was it was just kind of a funny uh, thing you don't necessarily see. And I'm I'm joking, but I don't remember the last. I'm sure Leo did it at some point. I don't remember it, but I just like that's something you don't see every day in baseball across the board. It's just a pitching coach getting ejected. It was it wasn't, it's not, it wasn't like he was like the interim manager either. Sicker was still involved in the game at that point in time. It was yeah. like, oh, bye, Rick. See ya. I I didn't know if he was like trying to get. Kyle Muller like fired up to maybe. try to save the bullpen or or what? I mean, if maybe this team does need Snit to get thrown out or something like that, just to kind of wake them up. I mean, it feels like they're sleepwalking right now. And uh, I know that the old World Series hangover is it real? Is it not? It, it feels like there's a hangover with this team. Um, maybe Kranitz was just having a bad day, but yeah, he went nuts. I was like, oh man, that's that's uh, unlike this coaching staff. Yeah, I had to say that over the end because it was uh, there's no real takeaway from it in my mind, but I, I did kind of enjoy seeing that. And I was just wondering if I could remember a time that actually happened before. And I, I couldn't think of anything else that was comparable. So uh, the impact, not huge, but Rick Kranitz, uh, shouts to you. I, I did see someone make a, a joke about Rick Kranitz making his large contribution to the Braves so far by getting ejected, which that was mean spirited. But I, I thought I, I, had a good, I had a good laugh about it. Um well, Scott, that's it for me. Uh, I know you are still in recovery. I, I don't um, feel my absolute best right now. So we're going to sign off after 50 plus minutes of podcasting. But if you have anything, anything to plug, feel, please feel free. I know uh, there's always baseball happening and I should have done this earlier, but we have lots of things to plug when it comes to the website and the podcast network, et cetera. Yeah, lots of good stuff is always happening. Batterypower.com, minor leagues, major leagues. Um, I'm watching the Mets and the Phillies. Old friend Johan Camargo just hit one of his majestic two-run oh. homers. Oh, God, yes. Uh, Go Phillies. Johan Camargo, who's been hitting uh, pretty decently. Um, no, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Here's hoping this is the worst of the season and, and this team's about to turn some gears and get things going. Uh, it's been a frustrating first month, but again, it's only been a month. It's May 1st or maybe May 2nd when you're listening to this. Uh, this, this is still a really good roster. They just... They just have some guys struggling right now. Let's hope that they're able to figure some things out. But uh, welcome back, Brad. I know you were out of town quite a bit. Hopefully you're able to settle in. No more no more Hawks coverage for you. Uh, so you get to sleep a little bit more. You are a man who never sleeps. Uh, but maybe you get a, a little more sleep now, which is never a bad thing. And um, always good to do one of these with you. Yeah, maybe a little. Uh, the season actually never ends, but there are no games for a while. Um, immediately we transition into uh, – trade watch and all kinds of people asking me questions about trades. And uh, I know you're a diehard Hawks fan through and through. So you're jacked up about the offseason as well. So I'm uh, looking forward to all of that stuff, but uh, yes, I, a little bit, hopefully a little bit easier for me. And uh, it was actually kind of well-timed that I had to go to a wedding this weekend and the Hawks were limited. So it made my life a little bit easier over the weekend, but a uh, good time to remind everybody to please subscribe to this podcast network. And it's not only this show, if you found this for the first time, welcome aboard, but we do have three different podcasts in one on the network 
There's this show, the flagship Battery Power Podcast, which is uh, usually a combination of myself, Scott, and Eric Cole. Then we have the Minor League Show, hosted by Eric and friends called Road to Atlanta. That is fantastic stuff. I always learn from that podcast. And then the Daily Hammer with Sean Coleman. Sean is a hero. He's been doing the uh, the podcast like five times a week and really giving you that bite-sized look um, after games, the latest news, etc. And that's a great sort of uh, you know everyday staple to wake up to in the morning. So shout out to Sean for doing that for us. But uh, you get all that for the price of zero dollars. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. If you enjoy the podcast, tell your friends as well as reading the written side. Chris Willis, our captain over there at BoweryPower.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you, I'm sure, in the very near future, probably at the very latest on this on this particular flagship show next week. And uh, one more time, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.